Continuing on with the recovery sort of lost episode, here is part two. I'm a lazy boy, there's no doubt about it. Might take a miracle to get me started. I'm a lazy boy, there's no doubt about it. Might take a miracle to get me started. To get me started. To get me started again. To get me started. To get me started, son. You better get up. You better get up while you can Son, you better get up You better get up while you can So, back before I found recovery, I looked at most of my life was living was about me getting the most that I want from whoever I want, and I didn't really care about how it affected people around me. My goal was to get what I needed, when I needed, how I needed, and I didn't see a purpose to filling a a greater good. What that left me with was this sense of feeling, or maybe it was combined with a feeling of being like alone and by myself and a lack of a dependence on any power greater than me. You know, I can figure it all out. I got all the answers. I'll get what I want. No one else is going to give me what I want. No one else is going to look out for me. In fact, everyone else is probably out to get me. They're probably trying to take advantage of me. So I'm going to take advantage of them first. You know, all this like fear Uh, resentment and anger-based living. When I came into recovery, they introduced this concept of like, no, you can't survive on your own. You need other people. You need the fellowship. You need a higher power. You need all these things greater than you or else you'll self-destruct, which up to that point had been most of my life. That's what I had done. I had self-destructed. My best thinking had wrecked my life. So I came into the fellowship Got involved in service. In the beginning, it was really easy to be humble because I fucking had nothing and was a drug addict and all these other things. Uh, Within a few months of getting clean, you know, I start to clean up and I'm working and I'm getting my own stuff and become, I guess, more opinionated, what I would call strongly opinionated. Usually it happens to most people in recovery within their first year or two. They start to figure out, like what everyone else needs to do and how to fix all the problems. And and they have all the answers, you know. And at two, three years, I had all the answers to what everyone needed to do and how we needed to fix our fellowship and how we needed to fix everything. What I found in service was that not everyone agreed with me. And there was a lot of other people with two and three and five years clean that felt like they had all the answers to Mm. how to fix things. Those poor wrong souls. Yeah, and that they knew what was best, and that didn't agree with me, so we were at conflict. We were at odds. Mm -hmm. And learning the skill set to not have to be right all the time, to not have to get my way all the time, and to not have to have all the answers all the time took a lot of work. You know, it took a lot of self-reflection. It took a lot of work with a sponsor. They talk about it in our traditions. It's like our hard-won experience, you know, gave birth to these traditions that we use to help guide us through these service difficulties. Because it's not uncommon for groups of people, especially in a diverse group like NA or AA or any of the A fellowships, to have disagreements on what we need to do, the best way to solve problems, what policies we should enact. And these traditions, for me, the way I usually like to talk about them is They give us some spiritual principles to guide us in our dealings with other people and to me in society at large. You know, it's that old saying, like, the steps help me to not kill myself. The traditions help me to not kill other people. 
Wow, that's not quite a lofty goal. Yeah. <laughs> so, in uh, getting involved with traditions, getting involved with service, I'll give you an early story of like we had some meetings in the area that had decided two people really that had uh, control. I don't know what you want to call it. That ran two different meetings, and they had decided that coffee and cigarettes was using and that if you were like drinking they didn't serve coffee at their meetings and if people were smoking outside they were telling them they were using they had to pick up a one day key tag like some pretty extreme sort of beliefs which obviously created some controversy within our immediate area this little recovery community hold on i got a vape and use <laughs> and you know there was some some other sort of controversy with this couple. They were doing some H&I meetings where they were taking this sort of message into facilities. That Yeah, and, and they weren't taking other people in with them. It was just them two. You know, it was a man and a woman. They were just going in themselves. You know, it, it just got weird. It, it got, and it got pretty heated and controversial in the area of like, what do you do about this? How do we, how do we fix this problem? Mm. So I got involved with a, ad hoc committee, which is just a group of people that decide to meet on a subject. So we got involved and we started talking about what should we do about this? Should we take these meetings off our meeting schedule? Should we try to shut it down and stuff, which I don't even know, you know. How do you shut it down? Yeah, so that was a lot of the questions that we were trying to come up with. What do we do? You know, how do we handle this with these facilities that these members are going into saying they represent, you know, Narcotics Anonymous? Like what so these are all questions that had come up, and we weren't sure how to deal with them. So we got involved with an ad hoc committee. Do you take like 20 experienced NA members to the church at the same time every week and just take over the meeting? Or do you like peacefully, lovingly be Martin Luther King and and like calmly love them into, I don't, like, I'm just, that's interesting. I, I want to take over a meeting now just to see how it works. So that is what people tried at first that didn't go over well the martin luther king version no the going and trying to take over the meeting with 20 people i think there was some violence that happened as a result of that yeah i mean and and this i and i don't mean this to sound too derogatory that the guy specifically i'm not so much the woman she might have just been following along but he had some mental health issues that Mm. you know because in the beginning he was he was involved very heavily in the direct NA community and, and got along with people for a couple of years and then all of a sudden started taking some more extreme views. I'm not sure exactly. So I, I got into recovery on the tail end of most of this. I knew who they were. I had met them at times through the years. But in any case, people went and tried to take over the meeting and that didn't go well. There was violence and there was confrontations and physical fights outside the meeting. Like it was not good. <laughs> he did not accept the outcome of group conscience. No. Huh? Well, huh? just these other members that said they wanted to join. It was just like, well, no, you can't join. This is <laughs> our meeting and we're having it and you can't be members. So your say doesn't matter. You That's know, it's not a meeting he, anymore. I, that was the point of the ad hoc committee gotcha. was to try okay. to figure Sorry. all this out. Like say, how, how do you, how do you deal with all those things that I just described? It right. was not a good situation. And to be a hundred percent honest, I can't exactly even remember what things we had come up with as this ad hoc committee, but we came up with some 
ways, strategies we thought we should deal with this. I do remember one of them was take them off the meeting schedule and, and not even have those meetings on our schedule anymore. I think it was reach out to the facilities, tell the facilities, like, look, these individuals don't represent Narcotics Anonymous anymore. If you want to have them at your facility, that's okay, but they don't represent us. They've decided to do their own thing. I'm assuming this was because they were affecting NA as a whole or other groups or whatever. Like They yeah, weren't so, all allowed to be autonomous so anymore. Some of that was part of the issue. Like These were outside issues, you know, if, I mean... So our opinion as ad hoc committee was smoking and caffeine was not seen as using. And if you had those opinions, that was more like an outside issue for you mm. that that wasn't in accordance with the fellowship and, right. you know, what our primary purpose was. And that, you know, you weren't adhering to traditions. You weren't following the policies and procedures for H&I meetings. Like there was lots of things that were not happening anymore. Mm. So for those reasons, you know, it was not have them on the meeting schedule. And they weren't, uh, they had stopped coming to area service and were getting their own literature and doing all that stuff anyway. So they were autonomous from our area. So they weren't at any of these meetings to participate in any of these discussions or conversations either. So long story short, the area voted on a bunch of these policies and basically voted, no, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to do nothing. Really? Yeah. That's shocking. And so at the time, I remember being pretty adamantly upset as a person with just a couple years clean. Like I'm how, upset now. <laughs> yeah. How, you know, would this affect new people coming in? And if I had come in with 60 or 90 days, like would this run me off for meetings? Like if this was one of the first couple of meetings that I went to, right? you know, and I thought now NA tells you you can't, you know, have cigarettes or you can't drink coffee or like, fuck, that's pretty extreme like i don't know if i'm on anyway i felt like they were really detrimental to the life-saving message of narcotics anonymous and what they were doing didn't represent us but the group's conscious was something different mm. and so that was one of my first i don't know what you want to call it like tough pills to swallow as far as like what i really thought and believed and even now, I don't know that I feel that was the wrong approach. I still feel like there's an argument to be made that that could still be the right approach if a meeting did that tomorrow. Yeah, they weren't an NA meeting. As soon as they didn't allow members to join, they were no longer actually an NA meeting. Yeah. So they were just carrying around a label that was not true. And we contacted the World Service for some direction on that, and we got really a lot of nothing. Yeah. I mean, we got some real vague... You yeah. know, like, it's like the program. Yeah. Unhelpful information from them as far as what we should do, leaving them on the schedule or what we could do. or And in essence, they told us there's really nothing you can do if a meeting shows up there and says they're a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. As an area, the area doesn't have any power to shut them down or close them or anything because the groups dictate it's an upside down service structure. Anyway. That's getting way off the unity time. I don't know, though. I disagree with that. Yeah, so it was, It was. I mean, to me, again, it was very, like, emotionally bothersome. Like, it, I had yeah. a hard time sitting with that choice, but then realizing, like, for the good of our community and the good of our fellowship, like, what could we do to keep things moving forward? And the way it was described to me from a senior member at the time was some of the things that you sort of say is that, you know, there's a loving God in charge of all this. 
and his opinion, because he voted not to do any of those things, and he said his opinion was, it's not up to us to decide the outcome of these types of things, that it was, you know, a loving God would take care of things. And, I mean, whatever, eventually those meetings shut down and those people went away and, you know, it, it they imploded on themselves versus us forcing to shut them down. I mean... More lives lost before then? We'll never know. Yeah, you would never know. And who went to those meetings and, and what happened to those people? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Did but, that senior member not think that God worked through people as well? Let's just do I, nothing. God we're will. talking about a long time ago, so I don't know. I can't speak to... God will shake his magic stick. I don't know how stick. spiritual I was back then or how strongly I believed in my spiritual convictions because, mm. you know, he was a very religious person i'm not saying that makes him good or bad but i'm just saying you know he was very religious person and so had a strong faith in he probably thought smoking was sinning yeah he might have (laughs) smoking's bad historically i would have got angry and yelled and screamed and been a person that continued to voice my strong opinions against those things and instead it was like through this understanding of unity our common goals and common purpose we stick together we keep working towards you know recovery and what can we do and how do we keep moving forward and crucifying or vilifying these people didn't seem like the way that the area wanted to go so we didn't and that was hard to swallow and in the end of it i i mean i guess for me it doesn't come down to right or wrong i don't know what was right or wrong at that time what i do know is the fellowship as a whole was able to move on stronger because the will of the groups was followed or the will of the group conscious was followed versus strong opinions of some members. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that the opinions of some members should matter more than others by any means. Like, I I don't think you would have had unity if the three senior members of the crew would have gone against the group vote like that wouldn't inspire unity either but i I just don't know where you know unity comes from the practice of these principles the principles being you know surrender acceptance love all these things and I, i could see you saying okay surrender and acceptance i surrender to the will of the group i accept that we decided to proceed in a way that is different than the way i believed we should And, you know, my love for the still suffering addict will keep me coming back to help these people. But I could also see you saying, I surrender to the vote of this group. I accept that that's the way they're going to proceed. But I love the still suffering addict enough that I'm leaving Narcotics Anonymous and starting a different group that fucking has the ability to help people because people are going to die going into that meeting. So what the fuck? Like, that's practicing spiritual principles just as well and yet that's not really unity in that sense 